0: If you or someone you know is highly responsible, prefers working in groups to working alone, loves their routines, and is a weird mix of valuing their independence and yet is deeply committed to their relationships, then they might be a type six loyalist. Also, if you've tested or been told by others that you're a type one reformer, a type two helper, or a type eight challenger, but you're not quite sure, then this video may help confirm or change the Enneagram type you identify with most because those three types, the one, two, and eight, are often mistyped as sixes, and vice versa. So with that said, here's a quick look at all the topics we'll cover in this overview of the Enneagram personality type six. We'll start off by defining their major personality traits. Then we'll go back in time a bit and cover their childhood experience. Then we'll get into the variations based on their wings. Next, we'll describe their movements of integration and disintegration based on how healthy they are. Then we'll get into their instinctual variants and triadic groups. And lastly, we'll end with some practical tips to help avoid the pitfalls of their personality and maintain a healthy sense of self. I'll even pepper in some silly topics at the very end like spirit animals, spirit country, and some others just to lighten up a bit and take a break from all the serious stuff we'll cover throughout most of the episode. All right, that's where we're going. Ready? Let's get into it. Right off the bat, I gotta say that type six loyalists are a confusing bunch. They're responsible, yet rebellious. They're hardworking, yet kind of complacent, and committed, yet suspicious. They also tend to adopt the traits of whoever is in charge or whatever their current community values, which is why sixes mistype themselves all the time. For instance, if a six is married to a really strict religious person, they may test as a type one reformer because they've learned that their morality keeps their life stable and their relationships intact. Same thing goes for a type six that may serve in the military when everything that's praised is toughness, so they might test as a type eight challenger. This is all driven by the sixes core fear, which is the loss of security and relational support. They want to feel safe, but they're constantly reacting to these waves of anxiety about how safe they think they are. So if they feel safe, then they're your best friend and they're super chill. But if they're threatened, they're your worst enemy and they're pretty aggressive. There's a funny phrase about sixes that goes, they're either at your feet or at your throat. Sixes are also unique in that they're the only Enneagram type with two distinct variations. There are counterphobic sixes that react to their fear by charging headfirst into it, and then phobic sixes that react to their fear by running away from it. This is essentially just the fight or flight instinct played out within the type six ego. This makes loyalists a really diverse bunch because they could just as easily become a Navy SEAL as they could be a stay-at-home mom that likes to watch soap operas in their free time. Not to say that Navy SEALs can't enjoy a good soap. Anyway, what both classifications have in common is that they constantly defend their beliefs and their relationships. Sixes are very much a ride or die kind of friend. And that's because sixes need things to feel concrete. They need their alliances, their businesses, their country, their brand, whatever. They need anything they're committed to to return a sense of security. Sixes feel that their unshakable commitment earns them safety and protection by the broader organization. It's very much a kind of mafia mindset, which I know has a negative connotation, and, and like rightfully so, but as someone who's watched every Martin Scorsese mobster movie ever, it's also kind of endearing to me. In general, sixes lack the inner guidance and confidence necessary to trust themselves, which is why they're constantly attaching themselves to bigger, stronger partnerships and time-honored institutions like the military, their country, or various religious organizations. If sixes can overcome their fears and find security within themselves, they can become some of the greatest examples of courage and leadership under fire. Okay, now let's dive a little deeper and talk about the general experience type sixes have during childhood. Disclaimer, you should know that when I discuss Enneagram childhood experiences, I am always taking into account both nature and nurture. We are all born with a specific temperament, psychologically speaking. That is undeniable, but the way our primary caregivers raise us has a great deal of influence on how that temperament gets expressed as adults. Okay. There's my disclaimer. In their earliest years, sixes embody the sort of quiet confidence of type nine peacemakers. However, something usually happens to make the six believe that they're not capable of living up to the standards of their protective figure. That's typically the patriarchal figure or the father But an overbearing mother can also step into this role. In fact, many sixes report that their dad was a little bit of a playmate or was frequently absent, and so their mother stepped into a strict, constant force of correction within the home. Either way, sixes felt deeply connected to the authority figure in the home, which made them start to mistrust their own ability to make acceptable decisions. And instead, they create a habit of looking to authority figures to provide that sense of security and direction for them. But even as little children, sixes could not escape their desire for independence, and so they wound up in a push-pull relationship with authority figures that makes a lot of sixes look like little rebels. If sixes had like a really uh, scary or abusive authoritative figure that would punish them for being disobedient, then they usually skipped the whole rebellious thing and instead they sought out a replacement for their protective figure in school, with teachers, or in sports, with coaches, or even another family member entirely like a loving grandpa. They basically just wanted someone to show them how to be an adult, how to be independent, so they could overcome their need of adults entirely. All they end up learning though is how to rely on or react to broader institutions and either listen to them or rebel against them. I use the word react very intentionally because sixes need something to push against in order to feel grounded. Because they still carry this childhood experience with them forever. And they project their relationship with the protective figure onto all these other organizations or even their workplace. So they constantly wind up complaining or feeling mistreated because subconsciously, that feeling of dissatisfaction with the authority figure is more familiar than feeling seen, supported, and empowered. Sixes and Ones should probably start a support group about just this topic because they have so much in common here. If, by the grace of God, though, Sixes have some awesome protective authority figure in their life, they usually just grow up looking to marry a person that just models that same protective figure's presence in their life so that they can bounce all of their life choices off their partner. And so the journey to find their own inner guidance continues. All right, now that we've covered some of the major traits and experiences for the type six, let's talk about the ways they can look different from each other based on their wings. Sixes can either have a seven wing or a five wing because your wing is only one of the numbers directly to the right or to the left of your primary type. I still hear people saying things like, I'm a six wing too, and I'm like, no, no, you're not. Anyway, let's start with the six wing five, which is called the defender. I know some military guys out there just took like a confident head nod, like, hell yeah, I'm a defender. Defenders get their nickname because they are less concerned about pleasing people than the six with a seven wing, and they're far more interested in having the correct belief system. The five wing creates a way more internal intellectual and even isolated personality type for the six. They are pretty curious folks that don't mind being outspoken and potentially unpopular because of their willingness to question widely held beliefs is another thing that makes them look like eights, especially if they're a counterphobic six, because they tend to be more frequently aggressive and outspoken all in the name of doing what's right. Another reason they are called the defender is because they often advocate for underdogs since they too feel like they've had to gut it out in life and have fought hard for the security that they've earned over time. So in some ways they're looking to pay it forward. The Five Wing also makes Sixes less trusting. So they're more likely to find one or two sources of guidance rather than a broad community because they take pride in working it out themselves. And quite frankly, they just don't respect or trust a lot of people. Again, this is why Sixes are full of contradictions because the core traits of the five are so different than the core traits of the six in many ways. Sixes normally seek out attachment to people and organizations, while fives actively seek detachment from people and organizations. However, where these types align is in their technical expertise. Both fives and sixes like using their powers of observation to solve problems and come up with practical solutions. This makes defenders more likely to work within a field that has defined rules like law or medicine or education. When they're unhealthy, sixes with a five wing are secretive, suspicious, and can be a bit nihilistic and potentially attack those that threaten their security or their beliefs or their loved ones. When healthy though, they have great organizational leadership skills and are willing to go the extra mile for moral causes. Okay, moving on to the six wing seven, which is called the buddy. Sixes and sevens have a ton of complementary traits that makes this personality type super easy to be around, hence the nickname, the buddy. Sixes with a seven wing often seem like twos because they're so committed to being helpful, supportive, loving, and kind to everybody that they're in a relationship with, especially their romantic partners. This also makes them far less likely to share critical viewpoints than their counterpart, the six wing five. They prefer to keep things light. They're super playful and usually have a great sense of humor. The seven wing also gives sixes a much bigger gas tank for social activity as well as making them far more interested in a wide array of topics. However, the buddy is way worse at handling anxiety than the defender, and that's mostly because they don't stop to get alone with themselves long enough to process what they're thinking and feeling. The seven wing adds a ton of avoidant behavior, so buddies will just kind of hang out all day rather than dealing with their problems. When six wing sevens become unhealthy, they get really manic because the quick thinking mind of the seven mixed with the self-doubt of the six, starts to come up with a million reasons why things can and will go wrong. When it becomes obvious to others that they're becoming emotionally erratic, they usually just play it off with some well-practiced, self-deprecating humor to mask the depth of their problems. Usually sounds like, ah, you know, life's a dumpster fire right now, but hey, just another reason to start drinking at noon, right? (laughs) Just kidding. Ironically, the playfulness of the six-wing seven can actually be their downfall because they lack the maturity to endure the painful process of healing from trauma. Even in the average range, this low pain tolerance manifests as a general sense of complacency. And so they cling to unfulfilling jobs and relationships just because they're comfortable. But when they are healthy, the seven wing drives many sixes to be outwardly loving, incredibly supportive, and can even make them great performing artists because they tend to be highly entertaining people. All right, those are the wings of the type six loyalist. Now let's talk about the movements of integration and disintegration. If you're unfamiliar with the movements of integration and disintegration, it's just the theory that each Enneagram type manifests some of the same traits as other Enneagram types depending on their level of health. It's what the lines of the Enneagram are all about. So if you look at the shape, you can see that the six has lines connecting it to the three and to the nine. So when sixes are healthy, their movement of integration is to the type nine peacemaker, and they finally put their anxious minds to rest. They become more present, calm and confident. They finally embody the self-assurance that they've been seeking from an external source and have instead found it within themselves. Now, when sixes are unhealthy, their movement of disintegration is to the type three achiever and they try to overcome their self-doubt sort of by overcompensating and they get overly cocky, competitive and self-important. Oftentimes, this makes unhealthy sixes obsess about their career in order to get ahead and achieve the security they so desperately need to feel confident in their station in life but this makes the six even more anxious because now they're trying to look so capable that they can't ask for help and they can't be honest about their need for support. All right, that's a broad overview of the movements of integration and disintegration. Time to get a little more nuanced and talk about how the instincts influence the type six personality. The instincts are probably the least understood aspect of the Enneagram by casual enneagrammers, and yet they have a profound influence on the expression of our Enneagram type. The three instincts are the social instinct, the self-preservation instinct, and the sexual instinct. These instincts are the topmost layer of our psyche. So it doesn't go personality type instincts, it goes instincts, personality type. This is why I always point to the instincts as the main reason why people are mistyping themselves or get mistyped by others. Your instinct can operate so intensely that it's almost all people experience when they're around you. So we all have a primary instinct and then a secondary instinct, which we pretty much just use to support the primary instinct. And then finally, our third instinct is typically something that we suppress due to some trauma we experienced growing up. Okay, now that you have a general context on the Enneagram instinct, let's talk about how sixes look when they have a primary primarily social instinct. When sixes operate primarily out of the social instinct, they become like relational super glue. They're not going anywhere and they tend to fit in with just about everybody, especially if they're a six wing seven. They believe in showing up for others because it's what they most hope you'll do for them when they're in need. Because social sixes are so image conscious, they can often be a little goody two shoes about always following the rules and end up looking a lot like a rigid type one reformer. The big difference between social sixes and ones though comes down to the ones willingness to create conflict if they feel like the rules are unjust or if people aren't being fair. Social sixes are far more likely to let things slide so long as it keeps them in the good graces of whoever's in charge. Social sixes are all about going with the flow, which makes it hard for them to advocate for themselves and makes them really uncomfortable with any success that makes them stand apart from the group. They've got some major tall poppy syndrome and they're afraid that success outside the group means sacrificing the support and camaraderie of the group. When social sixes aren't healthy, they'll actually choose to suffer within their social network or family system rather than leaving it to find true healing and growth. It's kind of like the better the devil you know than the angel you don't. Some social sixes are so afraid of being alone and unsupportive that they fall into some toxic groups like gangs or radical groups on the fringes of society. But when they are healthy, social sixes use their strength of leadership to create structure and community where there would likely otherwise just be chaos and disconnection. All right, that's the social instinct. Now let's move on to the self-preservation instinct. When type sixes are primarily driven by the self-preservation instinct, they become the ultimate homemaker. They like nothing more than creating a safe, comfortable little love nest to enjoy all that life has to offer. Self-preservation sixes are very concerned with protecting the home, which makes them very strategic about how they spend their money, who they choose as friends or neighbors, and especially who they choose as romantic partners. Self-preservation sixes see all these relationships as allies in the struggle for survival in an unkind or cruel world that will constantly take your resources from you if you're not sharp. Oh, and if the six has a five wing, this desire to hoard resources is amplified even more. Self-preservation sixes are likely the one in the family responsible for managing the budget because they like to control every major aspect. aspect of the home life. And money is most definitely a major cause of their constant anxiety around survival. Also, self-preservation sixes tend to express their anxiety more readily to friends and family in the hope that it'll garner their support. When self-pres sixes become overly stressed, they react by clinging on to whatever's familiar. So even if they're in a bad job, a bad relationship, or both, They just hold on for dear life because they feel terrified of losing what feels like their last shred of stability. When loved ones start to pull away or put up boundaries with the self-preservation six, their anxiety turns into aggression and they feel like they need to go on the attack against those former allies turned enemies. However, when self-preservation sixes are healthy, they overcome this tendency to have catastrophic thoughts about the future. And instead they transcend their personal anxiety so they can make bold choices that actually improve the quality of their life friendships, and of course, their finances. Okay, that's the self-preservation instinct. Last up is the sexual instinct. When sixes operate primarily out of the sexual instinct, they look like little Instagram models because they value physical power and attractiveness above all else. I wanna be careful not to go too deep into some unhelpful stereotypes here, but for men, it's a lot of the cultural ideas about strength and toughness, and for women, it's a lot about having the perfect body. Sexual sixes also want their partner to embody these traits, no pun intended. They need society to affirm they made a good choice. Again, sixes struggle to listen to their own inner guidance. So they look around at what culture admires, and then they try to manifest it in their own physical traits. Sexual sixes also tend to be a lot more extroverted, direct, and intense. Sometimes they can even feel like eights, especially if they're counterphobic because they seek out dramatic challenges to prove their strength and have a sort of like, don't F with me mentality. However, if they're a phobic six with a sexual instinct, they're far more subtle in their seduction and can even look like fours because of their coy, mysterious way of flirting. Either way, both phobic and counterphobic sexual sixes have the hardest time with authority because while they want support, they resist feeling controlled more than anything else. When they get unhealthy, sexual sixes resort to spreading lies and gossip about the people they wanna remove from power. They usually always have a specific person in mind when they go on the attack, rather than railing against organizations like other sixes might. At their best, though, sexual sixes have a great eye for strength of character, and if they move beyond the superficial tendencies, they can really find and bring out the best in people that would probably go overlooked by mainstream society. Okay, those are the Enneagram instincts for the type six loyalist. Time to get into the triads. To start, let's talk about where the type six loyalist falls within the triad centers. Sixes are planted firmly in the head triad. In fact, they're the impinged type within the head triad, which just means that they're smack dab in the middle of the triad between types five and seven. Impinged types have the hardest time overcoming the blind spots of their respective triads. So all head types live in the future, and they struggle with a great deal of anxiety because they think and worry and anticipate threats to their security. Each head type deals with their anxiety differently. Fives run away from the dangers of the outside world by escaping into the comfort of their inner world, while sevens on the other hand, escape the anxiety of their inner world by going out into the world, seeking entertainment and stimulus. And lastly, sixes, since they're impinged, do both. They constantly swing between a sort of, screw it, I'm gonna take action and overcome these fears. And then they immediately become afraid that their actions have actually ruined their chance at a stable, secure life. And thus, they retreat back into their mind. It's a vicious cycle for the six that just creates an endless wave of anxiety until they can learn to master the art of quieting the mind and finding security outside of their circumstances. All right, that's the triad centers. Now let's move on to the harmonic triad. The harmonic triad describes the three major coping mechanisms we have during times of crisis or even minor setbacks. The three groups within the harmonic triad are the reactive group, the competency group, and the positive outlook group. Sixes are in the reactive group with type four individualists and type eight challengers. So when they experience a crisis, they tend to look around at their surroundings and primarily the people closest to them to see if they're either gonna be supportive or if they're gonna leave. As I said earlier, sixes are a bundle of contradictions and during times of crisis, they expect both support and leadership and their own independence. They don't want to feel smothered, but they're also terrified of being abandoned. So reactive sixes tend to test those around them in a few ways. They can either push you away and run off in the hopes that you'll chase after them, or they can get up in your face and test your loyalty to see if you're too weak to handle them at their worst. Sixes feel that if you were in pain, they would eagerly find the best way to support or protect you. Needless to say, it can be a bit confusing to know what sixes actually want from you when they're hurting. Okay, that's the harmonic triad. Last up is the Hornevian triad. The Hornevian Triad describes the general ways we behave in social situations. The three groups within the Hornevian Triad are the assertive group, the withdrawn group, and the compliant group. Type six loyalists are in the compliant group with type one reformers and type two helpers. Sixes, however, are the most traditionally compliant of the three compliant types. They adhere to the rules of whoever is in charge because they're afraid of losing the group's acceptance and therefore losing their security. Hopefully you're seeing a theme at this point. They enjoy being inside the safety net of a large structure or broader community, and they will do whatever they have to do to ensure they don't get kicked out of it. Even if sixes look rebellious or non-compliant, they're usually rebellious with a group of other rebels so that they still have the support they want to fall back on. Any controversial behaviors usually stem from a feeling of confidence they have in their association with that other stronger organization. Okay, that's a wrap on the Enneagram triads. Time to move on to the last real section of this personality type overview, which is just a few practical exercises type six loyalists can use in their journey to self-awareness and personal growth. The first thing sixes can practice doing is simply sharing their thoughts. Fear grows in darkness, and your anxiety becomes more and more irrational the longer it stays in your head. The natural reaction is to medicate anxiety with pills or alcohol or just frantic tasks. But if sixes can learn to share their fears with a therapist and especially with some trusted friends and family, then they can actually learn to use anxiety as a sort of fuel source for personal growth. We don't have to be scared of anxiety as it can actually point us to the things we need to change or talk about or admit about ourselves. So practice upcycling anxiety by facing it head on with a healthy support system. That leads me to another practice that is especially beneficial for sixes, and that's learning how to trust people. You can't have a healthy support system without trust, and most sixes struggle to let people in, maybe with the exception of their biological family. But many of us aren't born into a healthy family system, so we have to learn to risk rejection in order to find a few committed friends to call family. Sixes really benefit from putting themselves out there because what they crave most is a secure network of relationships. And that doesn't happen without a ton of intentional and risky work. All sixes really need is two or three honest, vulnerable friendships to carry them through life. I know I said that's all they really need, like it's easy, but it's not. I get it. It's easier said than done. Ironically, sixes tend to get people to like them pretty easily, but they don't always lean into the friendships because they're unsure of themselves or they think that others are faking it and that they're not really that interested in being friends. Maybe if you live in Los Angeles, that's true, but most of the time people are genuinely interested in getting to know you, so just give them a chance. Next, a general problem for sixes in their relationships is their inability to apologize for their mistakes. They may be great at saying sorry, but without really apologizing, and that's because they're afraid that their mistakes Give people justification to leave the relationship. In fact, it couldn't be more the opposite. Humility is one of the most attractive traits a person can have, so if you blow it, just own it. Trust that healthy people will only love you more for being honest enough to admit that you screwed up. And if someone rakes you over the coals even after you've earnestly apologized, then you've just learned that they're not worth trusting with your future. One last thing in regards to relationships, sixes should try to notice when they're overreacting to a bad mood or a stressful situation. Sixes quickly become overwhelmed with dark emotions when times are tough. So practice catching those emotional waves in the moment and getting grounded in stillness before taking action. Feelings are, after all, meant to be felt. So give yourself time and space to get alone, to breathe and create a habit of mindfulness in the middle of stressful situations. Getting physically present is really beneficial to sixes because a lot of anxiety manifests itself in the body. And when sixes can become grounded in the physical moment, they become far more confident clear-minded and secure in themselves rather than continuing down the anxious thought spirals of the mind and then eventually taking it out on a loved one. Last, sixes are prone to abdicate their own desires or their sense of right and wrong because of what an external authority told them to do. This is a delicate one because you do want trusted advisors in your life and you wanna make informed decisions, but sixes are prone to making harmful decisions with the excuse of, "I was just following orders. It's what, what my boss asked me to do. When sixes feel helplessly deferential, like, well, what am I supposed to do? That's the moment they really need to step aside and tap into their own internal voice of reason. This one may sound a bit vague to many of you, but I guarantee you that sixes know this feeling when it happens. It's way better to make a few mistakes trusting yourself and then learning how to refine your inner voice than to go a lifetime letting someone else make your decisions for you, and then winding up down some responsible yet unfulfilling path. All right, that's a lot of advice, and we've covered a ton of meaty topics, so let's pull up for a moment and have some fun with the type six personality by talking about your spirit country, spirit animal, and of course, some famous type sixes you might know. Each Enneagram type has a country that's culture generally embodies the core traits of that type. And for type six loyalists, it's Germany. Of course, you're probably thinking of their extreme nationalism and their tendency to submit to authorities, no matter how off track they might be, but they're also extremely hardworking and excel in structured industries like mechanics and engineering. Now, when it comes to the type six spirit animal, there's actually two because remember, sixes come in two flavors, phobic and counterphobic. So the phobic spirit animal is the deer, very gentle and very skittish. And the counterphobic spirit animal is the wolf, an aggressive pack animal that works in teams to take out larger animals. All right, last up, when it comes to famous type sixes, the Enneagram Institute lists Tom Hanks, Julia Roberts, Jennifer Aniston, and Spike Lee. Oh, and in the Marvel universe, I'd say this one is pretty obvious, so take a moment and think about which Marvel character is unshakably committed to their country and values, and yes, of course, it's Captain America. All right, that's a wrap on this personality type overview for the Type 6 Loyalist. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it helps you understand Type 6 is a bit better, and if you are a Type 6, I hope it helps you understand how to live into your healthiest self if you like this episode please do me a tiny favor hit the like button share it with your friends or subscribe to the channel and if you want to drop me a comment and about anything that didn't make sense anything you want to learn more about or whatever drop it in the comment section i will pretty much respond to everything you guys send my way also if you want to work together in a more professional setting just go to you fill out a contact card and i will get back to you as soon as i can as always i'm your host colton simmons and i'll see you next time on you've got a type